Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. And now, here are the doctors. Okay, John, another hot summer week, and we got some hot topics to talk about. As always. Absolutely. Actually, the weather has been decent for the past week or yeah, so. It's you know, some rain. I mean, thunderstorms is kind of yeah, what yeah, you yeah, expect. Yeah. But it's kind of, you know, low 90s mostly. I, the, yesterday was pretty hot. So, okay, I'll take that back. It's but been it, hot. It's, it's summer. Yeah. It's summer. What do you expect, folks? It's summer. <laughs> Come on. Come on. Babe, but we do have some hot topics, speaking of hot. I mean, we got market timing, why it doesn't work. It doesn't work. It doesn't work, but we have new research to prove it doesn't work. Yeah, we've seen research right. like that for a long time. A long time, and this is new stuff, so hey, it's exciting to us, so hang in there. You'll like it. Yeah, and then our, our next favorite topic is uh, HSAs. We talk about them all the time, healthcare savings accounts. Um underused um, but it's a great it's probably the best account out there we'll kind of go into some details and uh, if you have access to one you should be saving in one absolutely it's like the best tax advantage tool on the planet yes so uh, you definitely want to take advantage of that by the way i'm steve marbert i'm a cfp and a dave ramsey smart investor pro with over 24 years experience providing financial planning and investment advice and i'm john travis also a dave ramsey smart investor pro i have an mba in finance and have been helping corporations and individuals with planning for over 27 years and we are excited to have you listen to us today on our weekly show. Our podcasts are up every Friday afternoon. Yeah, check out our website, moneymd.net. We have a link to the podcast. You can listen to it right there from our um, our website. You can also go out and see all the uh, the historical podcasts that we have. And we've talked about pretty much every topic I think there is financially over the last umpteen years we've been doing this. So go check that out. Uh, our website, moneymd.net, has a uh, retirement calculator, has a lot of really good tools. So go uh, hang out on moneymd.net. Absolutely. And while you're there, you can email us. Email us your questions at info at moneymd.net or link to us right there off of our website. And that leads up to our first thing, and that is the financial fact of the week. Yeah, I love making fun of um, professional forecasters. Oh, are you beating up on them again? <laughs> yeah, they, The they, prognosticators they, out there. They they very rarely get it right, Steve. Oh, come on, John. Yeah, I so mean, more proof here. I mean, it comes up. The ball is, you know, a little, yeah. little cloudy. Yes. Give them a break. Yeah. I mean, that's a hard thing. I mean, it's, it is. You know, it's like it's like uh, the Princess Bride when they're climbing the cliffs of insanity, you know. Yes, uh, yes. It's just harder than it looks. Yeah, well, it is. That's why they shouldn't be doing it. <laughs> or at least you shouldn't be making decisions based on their their prediction. And so here it is. From This is from Barron's and Steve, at the end of 2018, there were 10 Wall Street strategists who predicted um, where the 10-year Treasury note was going to be at the end of the year, and they all said it was going to go higher, um, pretty significantly higher from where it ended, and guess what? It's uh, right now anyway. It's went lower, way lower. <laughs> exactly opposite. Hey, no one came close. We just missed it just, just a little bit. Now just the year's not bit. over, so I'll give them that. They have another six months. <laughs> but true. but you know, it just goes back to the fact there's always people making predictions and forecasts and so forth. No one truly knows which direction things are going to go. Now we do know historically, like markets have gone up more than they've gone down. So there are some macro type of trends that you can look at, but specifics. Eh, doesn't yeah, work. It seemed like such an easy call back in December, you know, that interest rates were going to be higher because sure. the Fed was raising interest rates. They said they were going to raise it like three or four times this year. So everybody was like, okay, 
Oh, yeah. Interest rates would be higher. This is an easy one. Log me in on the interest rate, you know, log me in for higher interest rates. Yeah, you remember back in December, they were also forecasting a recession mid-year. Right, exactly, eh. exactly. Didn't happen. Gosh. And now interest rates are like an entire three-quarter of a percent lower for for the 10-year ten ten-year mm -hmm. uh, note. That's just, it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, it is. It, who would have thought? So it just shows you how unpredictable it is. I mean, if you can't predict interest rates when the Fed <laughs> says they're raising interest rates, <laughs> Yeah, it just goes to show you you can't predict the stock market. You can't predict any of this stuff. So you have to rely on sound strategies based on long term trends. You know, at your risk level, don't try to predict it. Don't try to time the markets. So which leads into which leads right into why market timing doesn't does not work. work. Exactly. Um, yeah, this is a you know some new research out here recently from uh, index fund advisors. Murray Coleman is the author of this. Yeah, I mean, this is based on an article. And, John, I mean, it's just more research that just shows what we've already known, and that is that timing, yeah, it doesn't work. It does not. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you've what you've seen recently, but I've had a lot of calls recently from people who kind of think the market is topping out again, and it's due for another drop. But, you know, this seems to be kind of the sense that, that we get when markets are going higher that <clears> – <throat> People tend to think that it, it takes it all back at some point. There's going to be some immediate drop that's going to take back all of those games. Uh, of course, that's not what history shows. You know, in fact, I mean, in order for the stock market to make 10% a year over the long term, um, as it has, then it eventually has to have some nice gains that aren't given up to the next drop. Yeah, and unfortunately, people who feel that way um, often, you know, act on those feelings and they'll trade in and they'll trade out and, that's called market timing. It's been proven not to work. We're going to go into some more detail here. And in fact, last year is a great example. Um, if you remember December of 2018, uh, you know, very, very bad month. I mean, the S&P 500 was down about 9% roughly. And uh, U.S. investors pulled out $143 billion from actively managed funds. And that was the biggest monthly outflow um, that uh, had Morningstar had ever recorded. And and so you think about the timing of that, those billions of dollars, most of them probably sat on the sidelines um, from the Christmas timeframe to late January where the S&P yeah. 500 shot up nearly double digits. And so think about it, you're pulling it out in a down market, um, really put money in in a down market if you have that long-term time horizon is the better strategy versus trying to time it. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it just can't turn out well when you're pulling money out in these big volatile markets like this, um, you know, back in December. Yeah, these knee-jerk reactions by traders, though, they shouldn't come as a surprise because there is a host of academic and industry research that points to the really bad tendency for active investors um, to do just that. You know, they panic, they bail out at just the wrong times. You know, and this typical, you know, stock mutual fund investor um, has lost almost two percentage points per year in total returns from these ill-timed trading activities like this, like you were just talking about, according to the data that's been compiled by Dalbar Associates, mm -hmm. which is a research firm that, that studies these types of things. All too often, these do-it-yourselfer investors, they're they're kind of led by the star active managers, you know, and they, they tend to follow the advice they hear out there. And the evidence shows that um, those so-called investment gurus, they don't show any greater propensity to time the market correctly than anyone else does. 
Um, in fact, there was a study by CXO Advisory Group here recently that found that during the 12-year stretch from 2000 to 2012, not one of the 28 managers they tracked was able to meet the basic standards of consistency when it hmm. comes to <clears throat> to time in the market. Yeah, so you nobody. Know, nobody did. Out of 28 you know, managers, not a single one of them did. And that's just one study. But trying to avoid the big sell-offs, it can be alluring because – you know, I mean, imagine if you could miss, you know, the 40 worst days of the year, for example, you mm-hmm. know, I mean, your 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 uh, return would have doubled over the past 20 years um, during this study. So that would be that would be incredible. But unfortunately, we know that's not that's not reality. Yeah. I mean, let's let's get real. You're not going to miss um, the worst days by market timing. I mean, the market is up 77 percent of the time, roughly. And if you're out of the market, you're much more likely to miss good days than the bad bad ones. So if you're jumping out of the market and, and come out on the wrong side of those trades, missing out on uh, 40 of the S&P's best days would have resulted in a triple-digit percentage loss during the 20-year period. So, um, you know, the, missing those um, just the two best days each year would have dropped your return by almost 10%. It would have gone from 7% positive down to a loss of 3% over that 20-year time period. So... Uh, you know, the the data shows and the research shows just don't do this. Yeah, I mean, it's a tremendous um, difference. You know, I mean, you think about, you know, 7.2% versus minus 2.8%. That's a 10% drop in your analyzed return just from missing the 40, 40 best days over a 20-year period. That That's pretty remarkable. Um, of course, you know, nobody's going to be so unlucky to miss out on the 40 best days over a 20-year period. But the point is, you're much more likely to miss out on one of those good days than you are one of the bad days when you duck out of the market. Um, I mean, think about the big days we've had recently, you know, in the past few years, um, which were totally unpredictable. You know, like the day after the election when Trump was elected. Mm -hmm. You know, the futures markets were pointing massively lower, and it turned around, and it was a massively good day that first trading day after the election. I mean, nobody predicted that. You know, then there was the day after Christmas, you know, after the Scrooge showed up and we hit bear market territory on Christmas Eve, you know, where there was a tremendous 4.9% gain on the day after Christmas while everyone thought that we were we were on our way to a deep bear market territory. Um, you know, it just goes to show you, I mean, you know, nobody can predict this stuff. Um you know, there was also a recent study, though, uh, which looked at how market timing compared to a static mix of asset classes when spending the exact same t- amount of time in each asset class <clears throat> um, between the two. Uh, dimensional fund advisors crunched these numbers and did this study to compare the outcomes of investing in the S&P 500 and the one-month Treasury bill over 91 years. And in order to understand how counterproductive the market timing can be to long-term investors, they tested these allocations between two different types of assets, um, which were switched back and forth on a monthly basis, ultimately spending about 60% of their time in the stock market and 40% of their time in fixed income. And they did a 1,000 iterations of this market timing strategy and compared that to just a 60-40 static allocation and pretty interesting results. Yeah, not surprisingly, the the monthly average return in uh, each instance was uh, was basically the same because there's no cost for trading. But the trading scenario increased the standard deviation, uh, which is a measure of volatility, 
by nearly a full percentage point. So if you had just left it alone, you would have been less volatile. And that resulted in lower annualized returns for the market timing portfolio. And they explained that higher volatility uh, acted as a performance hurdle, resulting in a lower compound return of about 43 basis points per year. So it basically dropped the uh, the return associated with um, the market timing. And the further study by um, DFA, Dimensional Funds Advisors, reveals that over longer time frames, these market timing activities also produce more extreme patterns. So market timing, you know, therefore exposes investors to uh, some some dramatic shifts uh, over time. The researchers pointed out. So uh, DFA is who we use. The you know, yeah, it's uh, a fund company we use. Yeah, full very, disclosure. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Very uh, very detailed organization. Uh, a lot of PhD and statistical analysis out there going on. But uh, they looked at a lot of data. Ninety one years. Oh yeah, and they continue to look at data. I mean, they do you know very rigorous mm-hmm. research from an academic level. And uh, this was just one example of that. But, you know, it's also worth noting that in December, um, you know, back last December when all this volatility was going on, that passive funds, uh, funds that, you know, that sticks to an allocation and don't try to time it, um, they generated inflows of $60 billion during December per Morningstar. And for all of 2018, uh, the strategically allocated funds, the passive funds strategies, collected $458 billion of investment money. Meanwhile, those speculative ma- speculative managed funds that are active funds that we just talked about, they had some $300 billion of net outflows for the year, um, just shy of their high water mark of $320 billion back in uh, 2016. So anyway, it just goes to show you that following a market timing strategy, not only does it increase your risk, not only does it hurt your returns, as as Dimensional Fund Advisors pointed out in their study, um, it also kills your confidence. You know, and that lack of confidence it lures investors to pull money out during the volatile periods. They miss some remarkably good days, like December twenty sixth that we just talked about when it was up almost five percent, um, and that makes up a huge por- portion of their gains. So as a result, they end up falling short of the market rate of return. So the moral of the story is, you know, you need to avoid any form of market timing like the plague. Um, It's a fool's game disguised with some clever names like dynamic, you know, asset allocation, stuff like that. But in the end, it's nothing more than a way to make you feel like you're trying to get it, that you're getting ahead. And, but in the, but ultimately just generates more fees for the fund managers. Um, It justifies them charging higher fees. And so, you know, as we've said many times, the only proven way to improve your returns over time is to invest in a well-diversified portfolio that's weighted toward the dimensions of higher return. And these are asset classes like small stocks, value stocks, profitability stocks, which have demonstrated over long periods of time to give you a higher overall return. So that's the moral of the story. Stay away from market timing. Once again, it's proven not to work. Surprise, surprise. Yeah, that's right. And we always talk about past performance. We never try to guarantee things going forward. But, you know, looking out, you know, historically, you can you can get trends. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. So, all right. And that leads us up here to the question of the week. Yeah, and this is what we just kind of talked a little bit about. Stocks are at all-time highs. Should I sell? And, um, 
you know, you wouldn't sell because stocks are at all time highs. If you needed the money, that would be a reason to sell. Um, But I mean, we've seen, you know, the the data and the statistics that we see uh, when markets reach highs, they typically reach new highs um, over the course of the next year. So no, this is not a a reason to sell. No one knows which way the markets are going to go. Yeah. I mean, again, if markets are up 77% of the time, you know, and if they're going to average 10% per year, which is what the S&P's averaged over, you know, thereabouts over the last 80 years, um, then it's got to hit a lot of new highs, you know, not just one. I mean, it's got to hit a bunch of new highs every year. So uh, just because that new highs, don't speculate and say, oh, no, it's getting ready to drop again. Um, that's not a good reason to sell, you yeah. know. So, yeah, the answer to that question is simply no. no. <laughs> exactly. Don't do it. <laughs> Don't do it. All right. And that leads up to our next topic here, and that is health savings accounts um, underused by the average investor. Is that true, John? It is. It is. This is uh, from USA Today, a guy named Robert Powell. And um, Steve, healthcare saving accounts, we talk about them a lot. Uh, They're becoming more and more of a common feature uh, for large companies out there. Uh, But even if you're among the 25 million HSA account owners, um, there may be some things that you that you don't know about it. And um, if you don't have one of these and you're eligible, you need to check it out. This is a great type of account. So uh, it's a big tax benefit. That's one of the big, big ideas associated with it. And uh, it's offered in conjunction. You have to have a high deductible health plan. Um, and it, that's a tax-exempt uh, trust or custodial account, basically, that you set up yourself. You can put money into it. Um, contributions and distributions, if they're used to pay for medical expenses, are not taxed. Um, plus, the funds grow HSA tax-free. So you got three free taxes on the front end during the time that you have it, and then when you pull it out at the end. Yeah, I mean, and and here's one I didn't realize, though. You know, I mean, while everybody realizes that the contributions are, are tax-deductible, if your employer makes the contribution, um, you know, payroll, I guess it's payroll deductions, then uh, it's ex- also exempt from FICA tax. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize Not that. Not any either. You know, so there's another tax benefit on the front end. If it comes out of your payroll, you don't have to pay Social Security tax on it. Um, you know, that makes that makes HSAs about as tax perfect as you can possibly get. Yeah. I mean, because that's that's incredible. Yeah. If you have the ability to contribute to this, you you, you need to do it. HSAs, they're certainly under, underused. Uh, they're rising in popularity. Um, but um, according to Mercer a Consulting Firm, about half of large employers are offering HSA eligible plans. But, Steve, here's one of the shocking facts. Less than one fourth of those covered are enrolled in one. So, so these are people that qualify for one, mm-hmm. I guess, but are not enrolled in it. That's right. That's right. It's only a fourth of people that are that are qualified are able uh, are using it. So, so what does it take to participate in HSA or be eligible? We talked about one of them. You have to have a high deductible health plan um, on the first day of the month. You can't be covered by any other health insurance. Uh, you you can't be enrolled in Medicare, and you can't be claimed as a dependent on someone else's tax return. So really that one of the key things is, is that high deductible health plan. If you have a copay or, you know, one of those PPO plans, that is not HSA eligible. Right. Yeah. It's got to be high deductible. And I think it doesn't, it can't cover office visits right. on the front end. Um, although you get this annual checkup thing, you know, that, that is covered and is free now for medical coverage, even for HSA qualified plans. So you still get one, one visit to a doctor a year free. Um, yeah, for 2019, if you're if you have your self only coverage, 
um, then you can contribute up to $3,500 into an HSA plan. If you have family uh, coverage for a qualified plan, then you can contribute up to $7,000 per family. Um, And, you know, as we said, that's tax deductible right on the front end, comes right off your gross income, also free of FICA taxes if it comes out of your payroll. Um, and then it's going to be tax-free when it comes out. I mean, you can't get much better than that. My goodness. Yeah, that's right. And some companies are actually, you know, contributing as well. Yeah. I mean, that's a deal. The company's contributing. That's right. Yeah. yeah. But most people, they qualify for an HSA. So as long as they have health insurance with an annual deductible, at least $1,350 for single coverage or $2,700 for family coverage, um, then they're, you know, and, and the plan is HSA qualified, meaning it doesn't cover uh, medical visits, you know, your routine office visits other than a physical, then then it's a qualified plan, or it should be. Um, so you need to check into that if you have that type plan. I mean, best of all, if you don't use all the money this year you've given in a, uh, uh, any single year, then you can roll it over to the next year. You can continue to use it. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't, it's not a use it, lose it kind of thing. Like the old uh, FSA FSAs are yep. exactly, yeah. And another thing, Steve, people, you know, we recommend if you can do this is not using current medical expenses uh, to be paid out of this. I mean, the HSA was billed as a individual retirement arrangement, or really an IRA for healthcare expenses in retirement. But many people are using this these accounts for current medical expenses instead of those that they might might incur in retirement. And that's not a bad thing per se. It just you know it kind of defeats the purpose of this HSA to fund healthcare expenses in retirement. And, uh, you know, it drains the account, leaving you with basically nothing in retirement for healthcare that's tax advantaged. Yeah, I mean, you know, personally, I'm kind of thinking of my HSA plan as long-term care insurance. Mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know, um, you put money in there, don't touch it, just let it grow tax-free, and then pull it out for long-term care expenses, you know, someday way down the road, um, just let it grow tax-free. So, uh, I mean, that's an incredible plan. But, yeah, in some cases, people with HSA accounts have no other funds to pay for their current health care costs. Um, if, however, you do plan to use your HSA to cover medical expenses in retirement, you know, consider investing in mutual funds instead of the low-yielding money market deposit accounts that come with most plans. Um, most of the top HSA providers now offer long-term investment options such as index funds where you can invest your money, get market rates of return. That's what I did with mine. Just let it grow forever mm-hmm, in there, mm-hmm. you know, and just forget about it. Keep contributing to mm-hmm. it, and you you rack up those bills. You can keep your receipts. And, you know, once you in, have a plan in place, you can keep your receipts, and you can take the money out later. You yeah. don't have to take it out now. You can take it out anytime. Yeah, right. So, I mean, it really becomes a part of a retirement plan, right? Exactly, and when you start yeah. looking at, you know, like Dave Ramsey recommends saving 15% towards your retirement, you can carve out this portion for healthcare because everybody's going to have healthcare in retirement. And, you know, you're getting tax benefits on the front end and, and on the tail end as well. So great account that you want to use. Another thing is, you know, we talked about this a little bit uh, a couple minutes ago, but if you're enrolled in Medicare um, in, in Part A or Part B, you can no longer contribute uh, to your HSA uh, but you can actually, you know, use the accumulated funds to pay for medical expenses with no tax consequences. So uh, what's more, retired HSA owners uh, may also make tax-free withdrawals to pay for medical care for a spouse or maybe some other tax dependents as well. So you have some flexibility on who can you know use the money. Yeah, that's right. And you're also under no obligation to use your HSA or, you know, to fund current or future medical expenses. You could 
Um, you know, there's no RMDs for it. Okay, so you don't have to take a required minimum distribution. And you could use it as kind of a savings account to pay for non-medical expenses and other costs, though you would be subject to a 10% penalty. Um, but, you know, like I said, there's no RMD uh, with it. So, um, you know, unlike a traditional IRA and uh, owners of, of IRAs, they're required to take that RMD as like 3.65% the first year whenever they're 70 and a half. But you don't have to do that with an HSA. So that makes it pretty attractive for kind of a long-term money. I think once you're over 65, you can take it out and you avoid the penalty, but you'd pay ordinary income tax. Yeah, that that's right. right. Yep, yeah, yep, yep. yeah. That's right. So you can still use it. It's kind of like an IRA at exactly, that point. at that point. Yeah. So, you, you know, one final thing here is just being a smart shopper. I mean, the idea behind high deductible plans is that people spend their money, um, you know, wisely on medical expenses. But that's not always the case. If if people really understood their power and spend a little time on price discovery, uh, they could save some money in the cost associated with it. I know the transparency in the medical uh, arena is um, is a big issue. I mean, it's hard to find out cost of procedures, and and I know there are some some bills that are coming through that are going to hopefully you know highlight and spotlight yeah. that a little bit. But if you if you have access to an HSA, use it. Uh, it's a great account. It gives you the tax benefits. You know on the front end, on the back end, and in the middle as well. So if you have any questions on that, certainly reach out to us. Um, and uh, Just as an aside, I'll yeah. say, you know, I think HSAs ought to be like a required part of a medical plan, mm-hmm. you know, and you're required to, you know, spend that money, have a high deductible, spend that money first, and then you combine that with price transparency. If they really do pass that so you can see, you know, what it's going to cost when you go, you know, to yeah. the doctor or you go to the hospital or have some procedure done, then you're you're spending your own money. Then you're making, you got the power in the consumer to make intelligent choices of where to spend the money. So that's my little political commentary for the day. Thank you for that. That's, that's a bonus. <laughs> it's just a bonus. You wow. know, my opinion, Aren't whether you lucky. want it or not. There you go. And that leads us up here to our prescription of the week. Yeah, so uh, Amazon, uh, obviously highly popular, um, but you got to be careful when you're buying goods on Amazon. Uh, it doesn't mean that you're actually buying them from the company. There's about a million third-party merchants that um, sell you know, goods and services on the Amazon marketplace, and it generated about $175 billion in sales last year. It's about 70% of Amazon's overall sales. So you got to be careful when you're buying stuff, right? If you see something like ultra-long delivery times, um, something that maybe was just launched or maybe some phony, you know, unverified purchases, um, there's some scammers out there that that are taking advantage of people because they're not really delivering a, pro- a product. Scammers in Amazon? Yeah. Go figure. Tell me it ain't so. Yeah, well, if you have Prime, it's like my Steve, favorite you if, thing. You, if you have Prime, you don't have to worry about that. I'm sure you that's use the, Prime. That's if, the if thing. I know you own not only do I use Prime, I only buy if it delivers on Prime. Yeah. In other words, it delivers. So I don't think I run into the scammers because those are the guys that are like third party. You know, like yeah. you said, you know, if it's coming within two days, it's probably have to be in the warehouse. So yeah, I guess I've missed that. One. You missed it. That's good. John, I mean, I'm just, just willing to pay like a few extra bucks to get it like tomorrow. It's you know? so convenient. It, it is, is just so crazy convenient. how yeah. you can get stuff and. In two days or, or even, you know, sometimes it's the next day, which is And you insane. know exactly when it's coming. I get like a text on my phone that says, oh, yeah, delivery yeah. coming like, you know, 
later this afternoon and, and it's just well, yeah it's crazy we were out of town last week and we had a couple of deliveries and it it rained a little bit last week oh yes it did and those packages get wet so oh gotta, no see yeah, nothing, I, well, we leave our well anyway yeah. they got a place in our garage they can put ours <laughs> they have, know exactly you have where an amazon it. little little just delivery about, place right just about i mean we pretty much know in fact i caught the lady last week on my ring the ring doorbell yeah. you know i caught her coming in and I said, uh, and, and she wanted a signature. This was like something big that I ordered, and they wanted a signature. And I talked her into leaving it without a signature through my doorbell. <laughs> I just pulled up my iPhone and said, hey, sorry, I'm not there right now, but um, can you please leave it? Can you just, like, sign my name? She said, oh, I'm not supposed to do that. You know, this isn't my route, you know. I said, oh, you know, I said, just go ahead and sign for me. You know, it'll be all right. I got cameras there. Nobody's going to steal. It's in my garage. And she left it. So it worked. Yeah. I mean, that yeah. was that was awesome. So, yeah, I'd, I'd suggest leaving your garage door open for that. It's pretty awesome. All right. There you go. This has been this week's edition of Money MD. Tune in next week to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. Check us on our website, moneymd.net. Email us your questions at info at moneymd.net. Or give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of the week. Have a good one. This program contains general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. This broadcast is not a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. SmartVestor Pro is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor.